Let it out Don't hold it in, it's better out Darkness looking like bad weather clouds It can stop me cause I'm heaven bound I feel better now On the highway, Lord, I'm heaven bound Welcome back to another episode of Broken Record Ministries. I'm Ronnie. Brother Bob's back. How's it going? Silent Ron is back. Why you gotta get so quiet on me like that? Hello. I mean, silent is pretty okay. Quiet. I know, but that was, I mean, you weren't silent. You were just soft, <laughs> which is awesome. Quiet. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Coffee, no, 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 that is bidet, Mike. Tonight, it is everyone. And my, my sidekick, Ron, will not be silent tonight. If here. You don't know that. Oh, yes, I do. We're not talking about topic yet. Well, that's true, too. Yeah, don't talk for me because I don't want you lying on me. I, I don't, like, I don't, that's that's how I say a joke anywhere. I'm joke, done. joke. Yeah, I'm done. You're not done. No, no. You're right. I'm. That's a lie. That's a lie. Yeah. Twice. Twice in a night. (laughs) And last but not least, the professor is here. Hi. That's it. That's That's all I got. I spin myself off record. I don't know what else I got. I just gave you the PT Barnum introduction. (laughs) I I don't know what else I got. It's like a guy who got the cheap seats or something. (laughs) Thanks. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Who's reading the Bible verse tonight? I am. Take her away, Take sir. Take her away. Well, we're going to read 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. I'm reading from the ESV, and it starts like this. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Good I think that was just going right with what we was doing to Mike. And I Ooh. took it on the chin. Did the did the Lord the did the Lord just spank us or what? <laughs> so there's a couple of questions that I've been mulling over in my head for a little bit, but I'm going to start off by saying why. So I want to say five, ten episodes back, maybe. I don't know. I didn't count. I didn't go back and check tape. But Carl or Bob said that I was humble to a fault. They've said that many times. Yeah. Which is a compliment. But to to me, I was like, wait a minute. How? How am I that way? Why am I that way? Now. Because I knew myself before. So the topic tonight is when did Jesus find you? Or how did it feel when you actually listened? Two very different questions. Yeah, but they go together. They go together. They do go together. They do go together. So here, here's my answer. And it pinpoints back what with what I was talking about. <laughs> Pre-walk with Jesus, Ronnie was, and two of the four of you know me pre-walk. I wasn't cocky because I could back it up. 
that was my motto. Now, was I cocky to everybody else? Yes. But in my head, that's what I said. That's how I justified me. Right? Like, I was super confident. I was super cocky about everything. Give me a task. I'll complete it. So, we've all heard stories about when Jesus comes to you and you actually listen, some things get fixed like that. And for the longest time, well, okay, four years, four and a half, five years now, right? I kept thinking, like, all right, I, I, I don't cuss like a sailor anymore, especially the F word. And, like, at that time, that transition, like, it was almost like fingernails on a chalkboard when somebody said the F word. So I was like, maybe that's it. But then when one of you two brought that up, I was like, wait. So, like, it was kind of like a flip the switch kind of thing to where I should be confident in my walk with him but then it was just less about me and more about him that I talked about and for me as the walk continues I think my comfortability I know that's a bad word especially from last week but confidence in knowing and seeing what he's done in my life and other people's life around me brings a, the goodness, the good parts of the confidence of me back. But I think where Jesus finds you, because he comes to you, that's my belief, that's my opinion, right? Like, Yes, we have to do our work and turn around and go that one step, but he's always with us. Obviously. Right? Well, I'd have to say obviously for me. So sometimes you have to hit your bottom or stuff gets stripped away from you for you to realize it. At my time, when he found me and I actually started listening, it was a good season, right? Like, I I didn't hit rock bottom. There wasn't turmoil in my relationship. There wasn't really turmoil in the family. Yes, there had been some deaths prior, but like at that specific time, nothing. So what does he strip away? my arrogant cockiness attitude from me. So then I have to second guess myself when I'm doing things. Cause am I doing it the right way? Am I doing it for the right reasons? And to be fair, like I still second guess myself or self check myself into the glass harder than what some of you guys have had to do to me at times. So that's how I came up with the topic. And I can keep going on, but I want to hear from you guys. <laughs> <laughs> what I'll just say as an aside, it's not directly relevant to the topic itself, but it's relevant to what you just said. I think that's why it's so important. <clears throat> um, not just community, but when you're uh, 
I believe that when God calls someone, he won't call one individual person to lead an entire group of people very often because he, he, tend, he tends to use the two by two strategy. It doesn't necessarily have to just be two, but more than one. And I think that's part of the reason why is because if you have a struggle in your in your past and doing something in relation to his calling is difficult for you because of the struggle you've had, that's when your partner right. will can can step up. And, and lift that burden or, or carry that weight for you. Mm-hmm. I think that's why that's so important. Um, it's, not, it's not just American churches that get that wrong. I was just talking to a brother overseas today, and he said they had the same issue over there with, you know, the kind of the obsession with celebrity pastor, like the one person at the top, everybody gets fed from that person. Nobody learns to, to, to seek counsel from the Spirit themselves. Right. It's just, it's always from that one person, and, and that person's not always necessarily misguided, or or not spirit filled, but that puts a lot of weight on one individual, and right. it sets it sets up that one individual for an inevitable fall, right. inevitable well, fall. You know, you can go back to Ecclesiastes, uh, I guess chapter four, where he talks about the three chord strand. Yep. yep. You know, or the three strand chord. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it says one by himself cannot stand. Yeah. But if you put two in there, it makes it stronger. But if you have three, it's unbreakable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for those listening, that's usually the bumper sticker wedding yeah. verse. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, the thing is, is, you know, uh, you can use that. You can use that for just about anything. Marriage, mm-hmm. because you got your husband, your wife. That's the two chords. That's two. That's two of the chords right there. And then you put God in there, which is the, the chord that's going to make it unbreakable. Yep, absolutely right. Same difference as if you're going out two by two. You got one guy that, you know, you got your two cords because you can keep you can keep each other picked up, you can keep each other lifted. And then when you throw God in the mix, your cord's unbreakable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, to go the two by two thing that you guys were talking about, and I'm gonna talk about him because he's not here. Right? So it's me and Mike. Mm-hmm. I'm overconfident. Most of the time, Mike's underconfident. So that's one of the things I think God used to like put us in our path and we click so well. And once I'm not going to, I don't mean this to sound bragging or boastful or whatever, but like in the, in my past pre-walk, I was a semi-good athlete. I coached, and I was semi-successful at that, right? Like, I think I'm successful at my job. And then it was like, I'm stripping it all away because now you're going to be a leader for me. But it's going to be completely different of how you did it before because before you were, meh, Fair to Midland, okay with it. But with me in your corner, God, not me, you're going to do the things I want you to do now and how I want you to do them. Yep. Well, that's the key phrase, how he wants us to do them. You know, that's the that's the whole point of him getting your attention and, and stripping, stripping away the uncleanness. I think a lot of us think we're doing what he wants us to do, <clears throat> think we're doing it the way he wants us to do it, but we're we're just slightly out of step. Yeah. All right, he's he's leading like that shepherd 
along that pathway and we're kind of following, but we're 20, we're 20 feet off to the side. You know, we're, we're following, but we're not directly in his path where he can safeguard our trail. Yeah. Right. There's no protection from the vipers and the wolves 20 feet away. Cause he's not, he's not directly covering the path ahead of us. Right. We're going the same general direction, but not in the right path. Right. Good day, Mike. Hmm. What about you, Mike? Well, I was sitting there thinking about my own story. <clears throat> you know, I accepted Jesus long before I had my stroke. And I, I like you, was rather cocky, arrogant man. See, I think, I know it's not, and this could be a whole different episode in itself, but I think accepting and walking with are two totally different things. That's where I was going. Because I accepted him when I was 14, 12 or 14. But actually walking with, that was only five years ago. Well, for me, that's about two years. But yeah, we're talking 20 some odd years ago. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember, but. Uh, it's a sign of old age. Uh, yes, I know. <laughs> but, you know, I, I was doing well in life and accepted Jesus. I was, do, I was doing the church thing. You know, I was checking the boxes, got baptized, wasn't really reading the Bible, wasn't doing devotionals, wasn't living it out. I was very successful. And one day I wasn't so successful. I lost everything. And my life crumbled. And that's when he got my attention, but it took him 20 years to get my attention. So it just for me, it wasn't it wasn't a oh yeah moment. It was it was about time moment, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It didn't take him 20 years to get your attention. It took me. It took you 20 years to start listening. Yes. Good clarification, Bob. I'll let you use the Bode at my house. Anyway. Thank you. You're welcome. The Bode? Is that, is that how what's that? What's a bidet anyway? Bidet. It's a southern bidet. Bidet. Whatever. Bidet. It, the southern one. It, it, so we can't do it at night just by day? <laughs> that was good. <laughs> that, was really good. <laughs> that was quick. Yeah. You said he was losing it, Ronnie. I told you, there's useless knowledge. <laughs> and by the way, we're going to have you draw a clock after podcast, too. I, with hands? Yes, everything. And feet. And feet. There are no feet on clocks. Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> you have to think about it, then. <laughs> okay, let's continue on. <laughs> what I'm saying. Took you 20 years 20 to listen. Years. I'm sorry. Just listen. Sorry, bro. And it was, it was one of those moments that... It just it just dawned on me. So how did how did that feel? Like when you heard it, you realized it. Yep. How did that feel? I like you were drowning, and all of a sudden you're a life. You have a life preserver, and you don't have to doggy paddle no more. Dude, I wasn't even, even doggy paddling. That that would have been a breaststroke compared to what I was doing. It for me, it felt incredible because. I thought I was back on track as far as doing life correctly. Because I, I knew I knew all the basics. I knew everything that I needed to know, but I chose not to because I was mad. Yeah. I was I was mad. Yeah. I'll be honest. That's where I was. Yeah. And for me, I had I had to fight the thought constantly. How did this loving God allow me to to fall to so different? You know, just down in the ditch. What you thought was so low. Right. But along the way, those 20 years, had I, now this is, this is in hindsight, 
as Bob likes to say. <laughs> you know, I realized all those things he was I was going through was showing me somebody else. He was showing me how other people have been there their whole lives and what and how how they feel and and what I learned from that was the material things were completely worthless. And the size of your bank account doesn't mean anything as far as a person goes. It comes in handy to pay an electric bill, but it didn't mean that's not who I was. So is it fair to say in not having anything anymore, you gain everything? Most certainly I have more today than I ever had. I have, if by world standards, I have nothing. I mean, really, I mean, like a lot of folks have, I have what I need. That's why we don't go by world standards. Exactly. Because mm -hmm. that's the problem. That's and that's the problem. That's the number one thing he has to strip from us is we, we, you know, you would probably agree looking back at your old self, just like I would, you know, looking back at my old self, everything was measured by a worldly standard. Yep. Even when I thought I knew him, you know what I mean? Like I've always been a believer, yeah. but even when I thought I knew him, Really, I was measuring everything by a worldly standard. I just had, I was self-deceived into believing I was righteous and I, I wasn't, mm -hmm. and not even close, not at a heart level. I think it also highlights something that's like, something that keeps coming up for me that did a lot today is discipleship, man. I think, you know, we could avoid a lot of this, not all of it. You know what I mean? Like, like that learning process you had to go through. Sometimes that's something you can only go through between you and him one-on-one. -on -one. And I think everybody has to go through that to a degree, but we could minimize um, the impact on people if we would better disciple. Not just better disciple in the churches, but also the people have a responsibility to engage in discipleship. Yeah. You can't put it all on the leadership and say you're not you're not doing enough discipleship when the people won't even show up. Yeah, because if you look at the text that we just read, I mean, it's 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 a little out of context, but if you the the very first word there in my translation is therefore, and anytime you see the word therefore. What's it there for? That should be the first question you ask, and you have to go to the, to the verses before it. And when you look at the verses right before that, it says, For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring Word of God. And then right after it says, Like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the Word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. He's talking about the difference that you mentioned, Ronnie, between being a believer and saved, and being a believer that's being sanctified and discipled and growing in their faith. 99% of believers, I would wager, aren't really growing, not to, the not to the degree that he calls us to. And that requires discipleship. It, it requires more than just showing up to a service once a week, um, getting a, a boost because you heard a sermon, and not doing much more with it other than, I should smile more at work. I should be nicer to people. There's a little bit more to discipleship than that. Yeah, it's like that adrenaline shot that wears off Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Like, you might have it for the rest of Sunday. You might have it all of Monday, depending on how Mondays go. And if you're lucky, lunchtime on Tuesday. Yeah. Because looking back, if I had allowed <clears throat> myself allowed myself to be properly discipled, I could have avoided a lot of pain. Yeah. The Christians you're talking about, that uh, just want to smile and make things make them make themselves look good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're not. You know, they're not really. They're not really. They're not longing after that pure spiritual milk. That's it. That's you the know? difference. I'm, I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. Um, I mean, you know, <laughs> once 
once he opened my eyes and showed me the error of my ways, (laughs) 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 we're just going to leave it at that. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and I knew who he was, which I knew who he was beforehand. But after he opened my eyes, then I started longing to really know who he was. Mm -hmm. But it seems like that I longed for him and I found out who he was and then I just kind of backed off, you know, and and I kind of got puttered. Puttered, yeah. I just kind of, instead of being in full on drive, I just kind of kick her in neutral every once in a while and coast, you know what I'm saying? Because I'd be on that little downhill slide and I'd just kind of coast downhill, you know, just kind of riding along, checking the boxes. Yeah. And see, for me, on that same analogy, right? Like for me, I'm like, let's lock them in four wheel and let's just go. Yeah. And this is what we're going to do. You do this, you do this, I'm doing this, and let's just go. And then you get half a mile down the road and I'm like, is this? Then I start self-doubting myself. Yeah. Not him, but myself. But then I'm like, all right, well, it's time to there you are out of four. There you are ahead of him. And here I am back here behind him. I'm still trying to catch up to him. And you're way ahead. Well, well, I'm I'm just saying though. Well, you you know what I'm saying? Like I could be where he wants me to be, and but my self-doubt stalls me out. And I'm like, all right, let's. We said it. We're going on cruise well, now on 24. I guess you could go back to that same thing. He may have me where I'm at. Yeah. Just because, but, you know, there I am. But, you know, what I was going to say is that sometimes I, I I got to where I was cruising along, and, and I mean, I, I'd done what I needed to do. I mean, I you know, I finally give in to preaching for him, so I'd done that. And then I, then when that was over with, I kind of fought him for about a year and a half on that. I mean, you know, I'm like, are you sure you're done? Is yeah. dark, this ain't done. I can keep going. I can keep doing this. I can keep it going. But like I said, he may have factored in my stupid and let me do that just long enough to put me where I'm at now. Well, yeah, I'm going to say he did. He did. He because, did. because I want to clarify what I just said about myself, right? Like, I doubt me. I don't doubt him. Right. That's, that's what I said. But by doubting me, I'm also doubting him. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So in the last couple of weeks, I've realized whether I like it or not, or I like saying it out loud or not, I'm the person that can get stuff done in a role, leader-wise, group motivator, Whatever you want to say, preacher, whatever, right? So stop doubting yourself, start trusting him, and just go. So don't say I can't. So, Ron, I can't isn't in my vocabulary anymore. No, good for you. Silent, Ron. What was the first question? How are you today? No. Oh no, not not that one. No. The first question of when the did two. Jesus find you. You know, I that's a for me, I don't have a clue. Okay. Growing up the way I did, doing what I had to do to make it, I don't know when he found me, actually. I couldn't tell you. 
Okay. Fair answer. You know, I went through life doing what I had to do to make it. Taking care of who I had to take care of because they couldn't. So to say, when did he find me? I don't know. But I'll tell you what, somewhere along that line between not knowing and before giving my life to him about two years ago, I was in search because I could feel it. I was searching for something, and I didn't know what it was. Okay? I was asking the questions. I was, I mean, there was something around me that I couldn't, I couldn't tell what it was, but I was asking questions. And then, you know, people started talking to me about Jesus. I started asking more questions. Okay? And, I mean, it got a little easier, but yet still the same token, I didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. You know, and then it goes to the second question. What was? How did it feel? Yeah. When you did find? When you actually listened. And see, yeah. And see, here's the thing on that. You know, two years ago, my wife, well, my wife, she lost her mom a while back. But about two years ago, the way he found me was kind of through my wife. Because she was searching yeah, she was she was searching and she we got to talking and she was like, I really want to look into church because I feel that I'm being called to go to church. And I was like, you know what? Maybe that's what I'm being called to the the so-called search that I've been looking for, you know, all my life. I've been going, to, you know, I was telling Mike earlier today because he asked a question about. Why did I learn mechanics? Well, I didn't really have a good father figure growing up. So I went to learn mechanics because I wanted that male bonding with somebody that I didn't have. Mm-hmm. And, and independent. Right. So, and I, I didn't get it. So that was a roadblock for me. So that kind of dropped me back. And then, like I said, Karen's like, well, she kind of fell back because when her mom died and all this and that. And then, uh, so she's like, can we look into it? I said, absolutely, we can look into it. So we went, went, went. And then when we went to Redeemer and I was sitting there listening, that's when I think he truly found me because it grabbed me so hard that I couldn't help myself. I, I mean, I just... I lost it, you know, and so I don't, that's, that's how I came to be, but I still struggle with it quite often. So, yeah, but so do I, I think that was when he truly found me and I figured out what I was searching for, what I was searching for, even though he was already searching, he already knew me. I just couldn't put it together until then. Yeah. So, so how did it feel? It felt very uplifting. I mean, it felt like a ton of weight off my shoulders because, like you said, I was independent. I tried to watch out for my brothers and sisters, all my friends. I tried to take care of people and help them all I can. That's And that's who I am now. You know, it just grew. Mm-hmm. So your shoulders got broader. Yeah. So with the, uh, 
with the fact that him being on my side, it helped lighten my load a little bit when it comes to problems, more or less. You know, if like Mike was saying earlier, the old run, I'd hit my knee and I'd have been pretty hot and I'd been cussing and I'd been this. I probably would have threw the hammer and it would have been over. I'd have said, okay, I'll come back later. But that's that's not it no more. I mean, I hit my knee. I said, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> Walked it off a little bit and went back to it. It was a big hammer too. So, that's but like me. It was a it was a huge relief for me actually. Yeah. I mean, it just it just felt like somebody was with me then. That father figure I was looking for, like I said, I went to my uncle, which was my dad's twin brother. I was trying to get involved with him, you know, because they were twins. I thought, well, maybe I can do something there. That didn't work. Then I got into mechanics with Uncle Lester. Thinking, well, maybe I can get something out of this. Granted, I learned how to work on cars, but when it comes to the emotional side, it wasn't it wasn't what I was looking for. But two years ago, when I gave my life to Jesus, it was a totally different feeling. And I don't feel alone no more. Granted, you know, everybody still kind of wants that father figure, but you know, physically. But knowing that he is my father, then all I have to do is talk to him. I'm good. Makes sense. Well said. Professor? The class is all yours. No, I don't know. I don't I don't <laughs> really know what to say. Um like as far as like what it like for me it's little because I I was a believer all my life. Right. Like I was just I was I was raised in a Christian household. So I don't I, I can't identify a point in my life that I didn't believe. Like I, even in, even in school, I was pretty passionate about my, my belief. I really didn't question things. You know what I mean? For me, it was more, um, I fell into a pit and he had to pull me out of it. So my experience was a little different. It wasn't, uh, I was a non-believer, then I accepted him and then like everything was lifted. It was, it was more of a painful process of, you know, I think of the imagery of the, of the shepherd when a sheep falls into a pit and they use the, the shepherd's staff, the crook and the staff to hook it around their neck and pull them out of the pit. It's unpleasant. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not a pleasant process and it's not comfortable for the sheep. It's necessary, but it's not comfortable. That's kind of what I had to go through. I, I, I look back and I can identify, and I'm not going to get into details, but there was something, there was something very dark that had its claws in my heart uh, at a spiritual level. And when I cried out to him with sincerity, um, he began the process of loosening that thing's grip and that was a pretty terrifying and painful experience, and it didn't happen overnight. So, like I say, my walk and my experience is a little bit different. Which but is fine. When I, when I evaluate, though, how it felt, like at the time, like I say, the process was hor horrible. But the difference between then and now is, is like, you know, the, you know, the difference between a completely empty heart and, and, and a heart that has um, warmth and love and direction. Like I was directionless if that makes sense. Yes, it does. And, and now I'm not. And, you know, I, you know, I, <sighs> I think I was always trying to pursue him, but I wasn't pursuing him in the right ways. Kind of like my search. I felt yeah. something and I knew I was in search of something. I just didn't quite know what it was at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it was similar for me. I knew who I was searching for. Um, 
but I don't think I was searching for him as he truly is. I think that's the difference is, is, is following him as he truly is. Um, so you with asking you know, the questions, listening for answers. Mm-hmm. In hindsight, he might have been answering, but not the places you were listening. Oh, he was answering. Like I can, I can look back and some of the some of the the sin habits I let myself fall into. He was absolutely convicting me on, and I was absolutely telling him, "I'm sorry." Good. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. but then I'm going to do it again tomorrow. Sorry, I'll say sorry, sorry again. Yeah, and and that's when he really hit me, and and it went from conviction to sharp and painful chastisement. And that's that was that was my experience. That was the 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 difference between what you know I experienced and what some other people might have experienced. Um, yeah, I don't recommend I don't recommend pushing it yeah. <laughs> with yeah. him that far. If he if he's convicting you, uh, I would listen. If I were you, I would just listen. But I mean, that highlights what a good, good father he is. And, you know, what a compassionate, merciful savior that he is, because I gave him every reason in the world to just toss me aside and hand me over to my own devices. No doubt his yeah. patience is un- overwhelming. It is. Yeah. It is. Bob, you got anything? You lied? Yeah. Um, I don't know, like I said, I knew who he was when I was a kid, you know, I was kind of like Carl. I mean, I, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. I knew who he was. I believed in him, but did I follow him? No. As I grew older with the way, with the way things went in my life, you know, I kind of, I guess you could say I kind of hated him because of the things that happened in my life, you know, I didn't think he was there for me. I didn't think that, uh, I didn't think he loved me, you know? Um, and I know that, and I know that's all lies from, from the other guy, you know, I mean, he'll, he'll, he'll plant that stuff in your head just so you won't see who the true father is. Um, but I mean, I, and I allowed him to, I mean, from the time I was, <laughs> probably six years old till I was 32 when he saved me. You know, like I said, I'd done a really good job of covering things up. I'd done a really good job. I learned how to, I learned how to manipulate. I learned how to please people. I learned how to, to make things go my way. You know, um, there again, that was stuff. That was stuff from the other guy that he wanted me to learn to keep me where I was at. He wanted to keep me comfortable in my sin. Well, I got so comfortable that the day the guy, the preacher come to my house, I was that comfortable. And I just flat told him I didn't need God, didn't need church. Well, then God opened my eyes. I mean, y'all have heard the story, you know, um, And to further it on, I mean, even after I was saved, you know, it, it felt really good. You know, I, I, I was really seeking him hard, you know, and, and I really wanted to know who he was. And then when I learned who he was, I kind of, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, now I know who he is. I'm good now. You know, I can just kind of skate through life and be, be all right. You know, I just kind of put it on cruise control, you know. 
done the things I was supposed to do, you know, uh, thought I was listening to him, you know, when, when he wanted me to start preaching, I kind of run from him there again. I was, I was being that rebellious, that rebellious kid again, you know, I allowed, I allowed it to, to come back up in my heart. I mean, instead of just giving in to him, I'm like, Nope, I don't know why you want me to preach. I can't talk. I don't, I know nothing about the Bible. You know, I know nothing about you. I've learned some, but I don't know enough. I mean, I'm not, you know, I didn't go to seminary. I can't, I can't talk like him other guys talk, but that's not it. All you do is talk about him. All you do is present the gospel to the people. All you do is show them what he's done in your life. So I was good at that. You know, I mean, if, if the other guy taught me one thing, it was how to be good at something, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, uh, you know, and and I was cruising along, and I got comfortable, you know. And the thing that he saved me from the first time come back up in my life, you know. And now I I there was a lesson in that. For one thing, I wasn't fully putting my trust in him. I wasn't praising him on the. I was praising him on the mountaintops, but I wasn't praising him in the valleys, you know, and then that's, that's the main place that we really should praise him the most is when we're going through them life storms, you know, and, and I should have, I should have been doing that all along, but I never did. I would, uh, I would go along with something, you know, something bad would happen be like, okay, God, why, why is this happening? Or why are we doing this or, you know, and when, and when this heart condition come back, I'm like, okay, God, why'd you fix it the first time? If you're just going to allow it to come back. I mean, I was questioning, I was questioning God again, but there was a lesson in it. The lesson was that I had to praise him while I was in the valleys along with being on the mountaintops. And I have learned since then. I thought that I knew everything about him back when he first saved me. But man, have I learned some valuable stuff here in the last couple of weeks. Mm. You know, my the heart doctor flat told me that if I would have shocked the bottom part of my heart, I wouldn't have got up off that truck. I'd been done. So what's that tell you? God was merciful. God was graceful right then because he allowed me to shock the top of my heart, not the bottom that was going to kill me. Even when you hated him? Even when I hated him. See how much he loves you? And then the next thing that I learned, the day I went in to get this procedure done, I was watching. I got a scan of my heartbeat. It's It's all funky on the first. And when they shocked me, there was probably a five-second pause. I was dead for five seconds, basically. And then my heart started beating like it was supposed to. So that was God telling me, hey, because I fully expected to walk in that place, be put on the EKG machine, and just walk right back out because God fixed me again. But that wasn't the case this time. The lesson in at this time was that I had to fully trust 
God and God alone. That's why when they stopped my heart, there was a five-second pause, and my heart started again because God took the old heart, killed it out, and rebooted my new heart. He gave me a restart mm. on Friday. Literally. Literally a restart on Friday. If you guys will remember two days prior to that, what did I say on the thread? I think it's time for a reboot. Mm-hmm. Yep. I remember. God says, yep, it's time for a reboot. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to restart you. That was the lesson in it. The lesson there was that I have to totally, totally trust him for everything and try not to lean on my own understanding. So, I mean, that's where I'm at right now. And, you know, God's, God knew me back when I was a kid. He knew me when he first, when, when I was 32, when, when he sent the preacher to my front porch. He knew me when I rejected him. He knew me the whole time that I was seeking him and trying to learn his word. He knew me while I was preaching. And man, he knew what I needed when he rebooted me. So it's a it's a really good feeling knowing that the creator loves me that much. That he is willing, even though I spit in his face. I mean, literally spit in his face. He loves me enough to absolutely heal me. Then I kind of went along pretty much spitting in his face again because, you know, I was I was starting to question him. And then he, he loved me again, loved me enough, and he showed me, and he gave me a reboot. He restarted me. So it's a good thing. And he just, he keeps me in awe all the time. I mean, and... Man, with the new perspective that I got Friday, I'm really in awe. Well, and I'm just going to add too. If you want to hear from him more, if you know, if you're looking at somebody else's walk, and you're like, man, that that person hears from him all the time. You know what I mean? Like, like they're constantly getting confirmations, they're constantly getting callings, they're getting all dreams, all kinds of stuff. Maybe it's because that person chooses to be all struck by him. Yep. Why would Why would he go out of his way to to give you the sort of experiences that you want to have if you're casual with him. Right. We've got to choose to be awestruck by him. And that is a choice. Absolutely. That's a choice. I think on the flip side of that, see what I did there. Yeah, it was good. Are we on the B side? He is doing that, but we're casually looking for what we want and not, yeah. Like those flashing neons never turn off. Yeah. yeah. They're open 24 7, 365. I want to clarify. I'm I'm not saying he doesn't speak to people that aren't awestruck by him, but I am saying, and this is a biblical principle, people that choose not to be awestruck by him, he doesn't speak to them in the, to them in the same way. Nope. He does not. No. Um, and if, if you want him to speak to you in an in an in an incredible, intimate, supernatural way. You have got to choose to be intimate with him back. That's that's what I'm getting at. You're yes. absolutely right. It's not that he's not speaking, but your relationship with him can be so much deeper. Mm-hmm. Well, you can put it in you can put it in marriage terms. If if you don't treat your wife with loving care, 
with tender heart, you know, with, and, and how am I trying to put this? If you just don't love her like she needs to be loved, are you going to get that same love back? No, there'll be distance in the relationship. Distance in the relationship. That's a really good analogy. You know, you're, you can't treat your spouse like, like garbage or like you really don't care about him that much and expect to, to receive love letters. Exactly. And love notes, you know what I mean, and and good night kisses. You're yeah, not. You're gonna right. you're gonna have distance. They're still gonna be married to you, but there's gonna be a distance there, and that needs to be corrected. Yes, Mike, I did add some extra punches to your card. I, I saw that. Yeah. I don't think it warranted. But we'll talk about that off record. Okay. Oh, they're warranted. They but anyway, let's continue on. How did it feel when you noticed that there were? I want to know which one of you individuals did that. And I, I suspect. Oh, it was me. I, well, I, 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 <laughs> that's not a mystery. No, I thought about signing it. <laughs> oh, if he had signed it, though, it would have cost you because his signature is worth some money. Max <laughs> is watch your back, brother. <laughs> well, that sounds like it's right. No, no, but no we're sitting here still talking. I'm listening. And that's good. I'm glad you didn't fall asleep. Yeah, no doubt. Thank you. Um, I'm sitting here thinking about. My past, I guess it was like when I turned 18, because my childhood and my high school days were terrible, just terrible. You know, watching what my mom had to go through, having to take care of my brothers and sisters because of what she was going through, because of other things. I'll just put it that way. Um, And like Bob was saying, he said something earlier, and it just dawned on me. The reason I was probably searching is because I think I truly, because I'd been talked to about Jesus after high school, and I think I rejected it for some fact. It was in my mind that if there is a God, then why didn't he do something when this stuff was going on in my household? Yeah. Why didn't he stop it? So I I got bitter and that's probably why I stopped searching so bad, so hard, because I was mad. Mm-hmm. Don't know who I was mad at, or you know, right? Yeah, I was mad, but not really knowing who he was at the time. You know, I was probably just throwing it all on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and but it was a bad time from eighteen and younger, and then when I got older, I think after eighteen, and I decided to like change who I was. That's when I went in search. That's when I went in search mode. And, you know, the older I got, the more, you know, the more I learned, of course, but the more I was still scared to give it to him, Mm -hmm. give it all. So, you know, I'm 48 and I just gave my life to Christ at 46. That's a long time to be wandering. Searching. It's searching, wandering, but yet <laughs> knowing that because even though I'm like reject or not real, I don't know if it's rejecting is the right word, but stop searching, whatever, that he obviously was still with me. That so when I did turn my life over to Christ at 46, like I said, it was a real eye opening situation because then I started looking back at all that situation and I turned it around instead of being a bad situation, I turned it all into a learning situation. Yeah. When I think that, I'm sorry. No. I think that highlights the predicament that he has with us also, 
if we're if we're too comfortable and everything's going great, we don't pay attention to them because we have what we need. If we're a little bit uncomfortable, we can still kind of control the situation and and we can we can still treat ourselves like we're our own problem solver. So the only way he can really get us to pursue him is to make us extremely uncomfortable, almost miserably uncomfortable. And then we wonder why he does it. Well, it's because we won't seek him any other way. I think of the woman with the bleeding from Mark chapter five. If she had been in a palace, she wouldn't have pressed past the crowds to reach Jesus. If she had a minor health condition, but she was still kind of seeking physicians, and there might have been there might have been some circumstances where she could have found natural healing, she probably wouldn't have pressed past to reach <clears throat> Jesus. She pressed past to reach Jesus because she was desperate. She'd been suffering with the condition for 12 years. She was miserable. She was ostracized, and she had tried everything, and nothing was working. That was the only reason she went out to seek after Jesus and to reach past the crowds and to touch the hem of, her, hem of his garment because she was miserable. She was as uncomfortable as she could possibly be, and she tried everything else. And I think that's a picture of us. That's what it takes very often to get us to, re- to reach out to him, to really truly seek him at a spiritual level because we won't any other way. I, 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 and I say that to myself, you know, looking back at, at, at the path that led me to a deeper relationship with him, it was because he made me miserable. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to be point blank honest. If I'd stayed comfortable, I'd still be locked. I'd still be trapped in the same sins. I'd still be trapped in the same self-deceiving self-righteousness. I, I wouldn't be truly seeking him. It was because of the discomfort that I, that I cried out to him because I had nobody else to cry out to. I was just constantly tired. Yeah. I was worn out trying to do all on my own and like i said when me and my wife did give our life to christ it just it just seemed like it was an uplifting thing it's like well i'm not alone no more Mm -hmm. and i can do this i can continue because i was worn out i didn't I, i to be honest when she wanted to first go check in church i was like whatever yeah no, whatever. If this is what you need, I will back you up. But go, go figure. Not only did she need it, obviously I did too. So, I mean, and I wasn't forward at the beginning, and I was like, okay, and boom, there it was. I mean, let's pull the proverbial needle off the record that's that means imaginary needle we should get a real one we should we should get like a real like record yeah yeah, yeah seriously <laughs> actually physically pull a needle up that's gonna happen <laughs> coffee mike yes. final thoughts sir tough one today um made me revisit some memories i didn't want to think about and one thing that sticks out in my mind is something Carl said. Truly seek him. The longest time I thought I was, but I wasn't. In other words, you need to be intimate with him. The longest time I thought I knew what that was. It's those things that you won't say to anybody else. That's what he wants to hear. Things that you hide in your heart in your heart, things you don't share with anybody, even your spouse, things about you that you dislike that are ugly, that you know people will judge you for. That's what he wants to hear. My final thought is tell him. 
it'll be like a weight coming off your chest. That doesn't mean he's going to cure you of that problem right that second. He may have you there for a reason. Sort of like the thorn in the side. God could have fixed it instantly for him, but he didn't. So, when you're in that valley, just like Bob said, praise, good, bad, or ugly, it doesn't matter. That's what he's been playing on my heart for quite some time. So, probably that's my final thought. Who's next? Well, that was so good. I think Carl's going to get a dose of what it feels like to go after him. That, so, what? No, no, no. you're next. Uh, I didn't. I, I don't okay. know. <laughs> If you don't mind, Bob, I think I'll add to to the lesson from your heart issue because I think he he laid something on both of us at about the same time, but independent of each other. And it's something that I shared yesterday. We had prayed the night before. So for those listening, Bob went in for his, his procedure Friday morning, and we had gotten together to pray Thursday evening. It wasn't specific to that, but we did pray about that. And I felt moved to, to pray over you, Bob, and to pray about the, the condition itself, praying for healing. Mm-hmm. And guys, I could feel it. Like I could feel him. Like, I, like there, there aren't words for it. When he moves and he moves you to do something, you just feel a warmth. Like it's just coursing through you. Like there was a vacuum and then it's just filled with, with warm water. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know how else to describe it. That's what I felt. Prayed, but then there was no healing. And I'm driving home and I'm like, okay, maybe in the morning. You know, before I prayed, when Bob goes into the hospital Friday, just have him hook him up to the EKG and find out that everything's, everything's well. Let it be a huge testimony to the, to the medical staff and everything that, that you're a guy that still heals him. Like, oh, yeah, that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. And it didn't. And they had to hook you up anyway. And they, they had to do the, they go through the procedure and which I'm grateful. Don't, don't take this wrong. I'm, I'm grateful. God is the reason you got through that. Oh, absolutely. God is absolutely, absolutely the reason for that. And when I got word that you were through it and everything was good after you know, I did my crying and <laughs> I just sort of released everything and thanked him, then I had to wrestle with it. I'm like, but God, <laughs> why didn't you just heal him? Why share credit? Why share glory with a hospital and a medical team? Why not just take all the glory for yourself? You deserve it anyway. Um, why not do it my way? Seems like my way is better. <laughs> and then he hit me with the gut check. Very uncomfortable gut check. This word that we have from Genesis to Revelation is like, it's like God's EKG. It's his heartbeat for us. And when we're following after him, when we're honoring him, when we're obeying him, when we're striving to live like he tells us to live, we're in heartbeat with him. Our heartbeat, at a spiritual level, our heartbeat matches his. Our EKGs are identical. But every single time we come to something and we say, I don't like that, that's not for me. I don't like that, that's for somebody else. I don't like that, it disagrees with my tradition, I have a better way. Your heartbeat's a little out of rhythm. Until eventually you go into spiritual AFIP. And the only solution for it is that experience of a reset. He has to reset your heart. 
And the more I think about it, that's what I experienced. When I look back and I think about what did it feel like when he, when he gripped you? It wasn't about me believing in him. I believed in him. What did it feel like when he got your spiritual heartbeat in alignment? And that five-second pause that you described, that's what it was. That, that sensation, that honestly, that fear of losing him, that's what that was. It was my five-second pause. He allowed me to go through that at a spiritual level to feel what it would be like to be without him. Mm -hmm. And I've never been more in love with him. I didn't realize how much I needed him and how much I adored him and loved him until I felt what it might feel like to be without him. Um, and now I just want to live the rest of my life with a spiritual heartbeat that matches his. Absolutely. And doing everything I can to cry out to whoever's around me to do the same because it matters immensely. To me, that was the lesson in it. And I think it's a lesson that can be shared by all of us. Absolutely. Silent Ron? Nope. Nothing? I ain't following that. So no. No, I'm good. Bob? Sure, I'll go, even though it's not going to be that good. No, I don't know. Final thoughts are hard for me. Thoughts are hard or final thoughts? Yeah, trying to give a... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> trying to give a spiritual thought there, yeah. He helped you out there, Ronnie. Yeah. Thanks, Ron. <laughs> um, you know, like, like Carl said, you know, uh, he couldn't figure out what, why, why God didn't heal, heal me instantly, you know. Um, he didn't heal me instantly because I needed to learn the lesson. It wasn't, he could have done that. But I think it was because I was fully expecting him to do that. I'm like, God, you got to fix this. You got to fix. He don't got to do nothing. He doesn't got to do anything. He does what he chooses to do. He chose to reboot me that way. And I really think he's done it that way because I've got it on paper and I've got that five second pause. I can look at that and be like, oh, there it is right there. That's when I was absolutely without God, but there's his heartbeat right there. Mm -hmm. It started again. So I guess my final thought would be, I'm going to kind of go with uh, a little short tax collector that was in the Bible called Zacchaeus. <laughs> You know, if if you really, if you really love God, and we're talking this dude, this dude was a tax collector. He had everything he needed, had everything he wanted. But man, when he got the heart to to want to know God, what did that little short dude do? He climbed the highest tree he could climb, and he yelled out at Jesus like, "Hey, here I am." That's what we should do. We should climb the highest tree we can get in and be like, Lord, here I am. I want you to save me. That's my final thought. I just add to you before you give yours, Ronnie, because you mentioned, Mike, about revisiting some things that you didn't really want to look at. And same same with me. I don't, I don't like thinking about it. You talked, Bob, about having that on paper. Just I think it's important for all of us to remember the past is there to reflect upon. But don't reside there. Right. It's reflective, not residential. Don't get to a place where you're you're camping out and you're staying there because that's not where God wants you to be. He wouldn't have he wouldn't have allowed you to have that past if he wanted you to stay there. They he call wants it a past together. for a reason. Exactly right. He wants you to move forward with yeah. it. Yeah. 
mine isn't as eloquent as some of your guys's, but I think it's just as important. Take, like I was joking with Ron pre-recording, the negativity. I don't care if that's words, attitude, people. Take them out of your life. Right? Because either you're going to sink in the quicksand because you can't reach the limb that's two feet from you. Or you can try to get out of that quicksand. <clears throat> but also, like Bob was saying, like Zacchaeus, once that feeling comes over you, the feeling we talked about, run. Because that's exactly what Zacchaeus did. Mm -hmm. Ran to Jesus. And don't stop running. Or that quicksand will get you. And then you have time to think. And then you start to sink. And then the negativity starts creeping in. And then that two foot away branch looks like 20 feet. Then it looks like 40 feet. Then it looks like 60 feet. So you can do this. You can do that. Trust. Trust yourself. But most importantly, trust him. Like we've all talked about this episode as well. Right? I don't trust me. Because I, kn I know me. But like Bob said earlier, he's already figured in my stupidity. So I need to trust him, not me. Take fear out of your vocabulary. No matter what that looks like. Whether it's little people like Zacchaeus. Midget wrestlers. Little people like Zacchaeus. <laughs> spiders. Snakes. Whatever. Insert XYZ here. Because you can with him. Remember, you're sitting at the table. He's across from you. You might be playing checkers but he's playing chess. Mm -hmm. So don't try to move those checker pieces like a bishop or a queen or a king because <laughs> that's not what they were designed to do. That's not what you're designed to do. You're designed to move forward and sometimes diagonal, but still forward. Hmm. Not back, not overside. The only piece on the checkerboard that can do that is somebody that's king. Guess what? That ain't you. <laughs> <laughs> then that king can move anywhere on that board he wants to. Sure. We've all talked about roadblocks. I've had my share. You guys have had your share. But you keep moving forward. Like Zacchaeus, which is 
I'll tell you a story afterwards, but you just run. Keep running to him. No matter what, you get angry. He expects you to get angry. You got questions. He expects you to get questions. But don't just stand still. The other stupid dude wants you to stand still. You keep moving forward. No matter what that looks like in your life. Press pass. Like you said, Carl. Like the woman. Don't let it get to the point where you're at the bottom of the pit. And all you have to do is look up and scream for help. Run all the time. Run in the valleys. Run on the mountaintops. Then you're routined and you're ready to go. You're practiced up. You're trained up. So no matter what circumstance, he's already got you trained up. So then all of a sudden there's that pitfall and that quicksand. You could hop on that two-foot limb and just swing across it because he's already trained you up to do so. That's what I got. All right. Well, I'm going to say something here. Oh. Carl said something a minute ago. He said, the past is the past. And you just said, look forward, strive forward. And I saw, I was looking on my phone and this came up. It says, look back and thank God. Look forward and trust your God. During, look around and serve your God. And then look within and find your God. Sorry, Captain Mike. I think that might be the best final thought. <laughs> well, I wasn't expecting my first marker to hold. <laughs> Can I be a rook? Can you, can you be a what? A rook. Oh, she's like, oh, gotcha. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I'm a poor little pawn <laughs> in his world. <laughs> he could be a castle. <laughs> I don't know if I'm that strong. Coffee Mike, would you pray us out tonight? I will. <clears throat> Father, we come to you humbly and ask for forgiveness when we do not put you first when we do not ask you first father i thank you for the men around this table that are going to come here and and share their raw insights to their walk with whomever is listening Father, i know the things that are said come from the spirit and i thank you for that father my prayer is father that whoever hears this you're glorified in whatever we say that we know what we are saying comes from you. We love you, Father, and we thank you for everything you have. Father, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for us and save us from our sins. Help us all to remember the love that we've received from you every day. That, As Bob says, we don't put it on autopilot or cruise control. We're active in our faith, Father. Help us all to stay active. And I thank you for everything. In Jesus' name I pray this. 
Amen. Amen. And until next time, we'll catch you on the flip side. Singing glory, yeah, amen. Singing glory.